Good morning. How y'all doing? That gum. Oh, I'm telling you, he is so wonderful. You know, I'm so amazed. Uh, so many of us, we live in bondage, and the whole reason Jesus came was to set us free. And uh, the whole reason we do the church the way we do is so that you can be free. hope you know that. And you may be here this morning, this may be your first time back in church in a long time, and you're thinking, this is not quite how I remembered it. That's okay. hope you know that because you're, you're among friends. And uh, I, my prayer and my hope for you today is this. When you leave this place, you'll understand that you can have true freedom in Christ. That freedom only comes through Christ. It doesn't come through a church. It doesn't come through going through an emotion or anything like that. It comes through Jesus. So, and that's what I'm talking about today. Um, my freshman year, it was 1985. Uh, <laughs> And I remember the day well, because it was that day, fall semester, you know, everything's new, everything's foreign, everything is just, you know, you're worried as a freshman. You know, will you have friends? Um, will uh, you fit in? Um, how will you do at school? Uh, will you get picked on? Uh, will you get your head stuck in a toilet and get it flushed? Uh, that's called a swirly. And uh, it's happened to me. Um, you have all of these nagging questions your freshman year because you know you're lower than the low. In Clarksville High School, I'll, I'll never, again, I'll never forget this day because I get my report card. And up to that point, I had been an average student. I was an A's and B's student, sometimes a C. But I never was straight A's. Um, I, just, I just was just having fun at school. Probably y'all y'all been there as well. But I, I had A's and B's. But this day, I looked down on my report card, and um, I had one A. That was in band. <laughs> I had uh, a few Bs, um, uh, you know, quite a bit of Bs, to be honest with you. I had one C, and, and I'm, as I'm looking at the report card, I, no, that, that really, I don't think that could be right. Uh, it was an F. I had never gotten an F on a report card. That was a new experience for me. I got a 69. That means I was one point away from a D minus. One point. I never longed so much in my life to have a D minus. But I'm sitting here and I'm looking at this F and I'm starting to think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to tell my parents? What, how am I going to get myself out of this? And I start thinking, okay, the F, I can maybe make the F into a B, you know, and maybe I can do it. But and I thought, you know, that ain't going to work because it says, you know, 69 on it. There's no way to really cleverly change a 60 and a 9. So I'm thinking, what am I, I going to do? And I start getting angry and I start getting frustrated because this was a new experience for me before. I, I'd never failed uh, on a report card. I'd gotten F's on tests, but on a report card. And in algebra, algebra one, I mean, number one, why is that even taught? That's, its metric system has screwed us all up, people. This is new math. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out who can I blame. I, I start thinking, okay, maybe I can blame the X plus Y equals Z. It's their fault. 
And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have to tell my mom and dad that it's X plus Y's fault. They ain't going to buy that. That dog don't hunt. So I'm starting to think, okay, what am I going to do? Who can I blame? And I start thinking, maybe I can blame the teacher. Yeah. The teacher. Her name was Mrs. Lowe. I still remember her name. Her address is one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she was a nice teacher. Um, she, I mean, I, I just stink at math. So I'm just, I, and I can't blame the teacher because it's not the teacher's fault. So I, the only person I have left to blame is me. That's exactly right. I, I can't really point the fingers anywhere else. I can't blame anyone. No one except me. Have you ever felt like a failure? Have you ever failed? Maybe you failed at a test or failed at a report card. That's a little bit different than feeling like a failure. Have you ever failed at, at a marriage? Have you ever failed at a, at a business venture? Have you ever failed trying to keep your finances in order? Have you ever failed to ever get married? Have you ever failed being a parent? Have you ever just failed to keep a job or to get a job? Have you ever been fired? Declared bankruptcy, gotten a divorce, lost custody. You see, I think all of us have been there. All of us, at one time or not, have failed. We all have horror stories in our past. We can all look back on times that we can say, you know what? It just didn't happen then. It just didn't happen. And we want to blame other people. We want to blame other people. We want to blame the system. We want to blame our parents. We want to blame um, the school. We want to blame our kids or our wife or the economy. But really, the only person to blame is ourselves sometimes. Because all of us have failed. All of us have been failures. The person we're going to look at this morning from God's Word if one letter, one letter could describe his life, it would be the letter F. He was a failure. Uh, he um, failed at everything. In fact, he was a criminal. He failed to fit into society. That word criminal is the same word that's used in Proverbs 20, 23 um, 23. It's in Luke 23, 23. It also occurs in Proverbs chapter 21. Read, if you would, Proverbs 21, 15 says this. Good people celebrate when justice triumphs, but for the, and that same word that we're talking about, criminal, here it is, for the workers of evil. It's that same word. The workers of evil. It's a bad day. It's a bad day for workers of evil. The fellow we're going to look at today was having a bad day really bad day. In fact, this bad day would be his last day. It would be his last day, and he's going to end this life with an F. Let's look at it. Luke 23:33 says this, When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals. There's that word, criminals. Workers of evil. One on his right 
and one on his left. That Greek word for criminal is not talking about someone who's just down on his luck. Somebody that made a bad choice once. We're not talking about a good person who made a bad decision. No, this word means something totally different. It means someone who is consistently evil, consistently bad. Someone that if you put the right answer and the wrong answer and you've got to choose, they always choose the wrong. They always get an F. They always fail at everything. This is someone who is consistently bad. He had a rap sheet longer than your arm. He had a track record. He had a track record. People knew his reputation. And people had given up hope that this person would change. They had given up hope that there could be any reconciliation. They had given up hope that he would be rehabilitated. And the only thing they knew to do with this individual was to kill him. The only thing the Roman government knew to do with this type of person, because he would never fit in, was to kill him, to execute him. He was a failure. He was the villain of the story. And he was being killed. He was paying his debt to society. We've heard that a lot. You know, well, why, why are they serving time? Well, they're paying their debt to society. Why was this person being killed here? He was paying his debt to society. The reason why he was being executed was he was paying his debt to society. He was paying something back. We're going to remember that, paying a debt to society. So between these two criminals, though, we have another person. Who is this person? You know, those who have grown up in church or have been to church even casually, we know who that person is. But if we're reading the story for the first time, we realize that person is Jesus. And these criminals have been executed, are being executed, because of the wrong that they have done. Well, we start looking. Luke 23, 33, they crucified him. Why was Jesus being killed? What wrong had he committed? What debt did he owe? Well, Jesus said in Luke 23, 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Father, forgive them. Jesus, while hanging on a cross, while literally in the process of dying, he is praying to God. And this is a new experience for this criminal. Because he hears this person, and he's witnessed a lot of crucifixions. And usually at crucifixions, the people hanging on the cross are cussing and yelling, and they're angry. And they're yelling at the mob, and they're screaming in agony. This is the first one that he's ever seen. That someone is actually praying, talking to God. And what is he saying? Father, forgive them. Forgiveness. This criminal had never heard of forgiveness before. And if he had heard the word, he had never received it. He had never gotten any for himself. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I mean, we really look at this. Jesus, he really was the one true victim. The only true victim because he had never done any wrong. He had never sinned. He had never wronged anyone. He had never wronged an individual. He had never spoken a lie. He never had an impure thought. He never did an unkind or an unloving act. He never broke God's law. In fact, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that Christ 
was without sin. Let's say that. Christ was without sin. No one was less worthy of death than Jesus. But yet, here he is. Jesus, dying on the cross. In fact, even the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, who was the judge in Jesus' trial, Pilate said this in Luke 23, 4. Then Pilate said this, I find no guilt in this man. Pilate told everyone, hey, this fellow doesn't deserve this. He doesn't deserve to be killed. He doesn't deserve to be flogged. He doesn't deserve to be crucified. He's done nothing wrong. He has no guilt. Yet, Jesus had every right to be angry, to hold a grudge, to get even. But here Jesus is hanging on a cross, and he's saying, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them who just took the hammer and the nails and put them in my palms. Forgive them who has the, the, the sword and the spear that juts into my side. And Forgive them who spit on me and yell at me and pulled out my beard. Forgive them. I don't understand that type of forgiveness. Even more importantly, I don't think I could ever give that type of you think you could? Forgiveness. What is forgiveness? What does it mean to receive forgiveness and to give forgiveness? Forgiveness literally means this. It means to release someone from a debt owed. To release someone from a debt they owe you. It means that you don't get them back anymore. That you don't pay them back or try to get even. To release someone of a debt. Oh, the, the best way I can explain it is this. Let's just say someone owed you $10,000. That's a lot of money, don't you think? Yes. Let's say they either swindled it out of you or maybe that you gave them as a loan, but they are saying, I'm not paying it back. How would that make you feel? Happy? It would make you feel angry. In fact, it would make you ticked. And you want to get that money back. You want to get that. And if you've got to take that person to court, you've got to do whatever you need to do to get your stuff back, to get your ten grand back. But let's just say you wanted to forgive this person. Let's just say you wanted to say, I forgive you of this. What would you do? You would cancel the debt they owe you. You would say, hey, you know what? You no longer owe me $10,000. I forgive you. I forgive you. Let's say years pass and this person comes by with tears in their eyes and remorse and they say, you know what, I did you wrong. Here's $10,000. I want you to give it back. If you had forgiven them, you know what you'd say? 10000 what? You don't owe me any money. Uh, I forgave you of that. Because you canceled the debt that they owe you. That's what it means to forgive. And I think all of us in here all of us need forgiveness. This dying criminal is hanging on the cross and he's hearing forgiveness. And he doesn't know what to think of that because no one had ever forgiven him. And he had never forgiven anyone. Let's read Luke twenty-three thirty-four. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. 
for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched, and the leaders laughed and scoffed. He saved others. Let him save himself if he really is God's chosen one, the Messiah. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you're the king of the Jews, then save yourself. And a signboard was nailed to the cross above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. Let's talk about that sign. In Roman times, when somebody was convicted of a crime, they would take what they did and they would write it on a sign and they would place it above the head and nail it on the cross so that everyone could see, if you do this, this is what you get. If you steal, then they wrote on there, thief. And they put it on the sign and put it above his head so that you will know, everyone will know what happens when you steal from somebody. Let's say you murdered. You were convicted of murder. The Roman judge would take that sign and write on their murderer. And they would put it on the sign and they would hang the sign above the, the murderer, the murdered, the, this vile villain, the one who murdered, and say, this is what you get when you take a person's life. What was Jesus's? What was Jesus' wrong? What wrong had he committed? What was on his sign? What was he being killed for? What debt was he paying back? His sign read, the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. When Pilate signed the order to kill Jesus, the charge brought up against him was that he was claiming to be the king. Now, by some mistake of the person writing it or Pilate, but of no mistake to God. It didn't say Jesus claims to be the king of the Jews. It says what? This is the king of the Jews. That is what he was crucified for. That was why his life was being taken. And they said, you owe us a debt, Jesus. This is what happens when people owe us the debt. You're paying your debt back to society. You're being killed. Luke 23, 39. Let's go back to that criminal. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah? Are you? Well, prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God even when you, while you are dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. This guy, this criminal who's taken up for Jesus... He saw how the crowds were just yelling at him. And he saw when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, and the love that was in his eyes, the tears that were in Jesus' eyes, that his heart was breaking, not because of the pain, but because of the people who were causing him pain. And he says, forgive them, forgive them. This career criminal, this person who had always chosen the wrong path, who deserved to die, was saying, Jesus doesn't deserve this. He doesn't deserve to die. He's done no wrong. He owes no debt. We owe the debt. Jesus does not. Jesus had done nothing wrong. In fact, he was sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we looked at earlier says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, 
who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. Everybody say the words, our sin. So that we could be made what? Right. Right with God through Christ. What this verse is saying is that Jesus, He never messed up. He was without sin. And because He was without the sin, He didn't deserve to die. So why did He die? You remember that debt we talked about owing society? Jesus owed no debt, but hear me. You and I, because we have failed, because we've messed up in small areas and big areas, we have deserved death. That verse, though, it says, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin. That word offering, it means this, that Jesus Christ always had a right relationship with God, and we have not. Jesus had never sinned, we have. So what happened was this. God said, you know what? I'm going to take all of your sin. I'm going to take all of the junk and the mess in your life, and I'm going to put that on Jesus Christ. And I'm going to take the right standing that Jesus has with me, God the Father, and I'm going to take that rightness and that holiness and that perfection, and I'm going to put it on you. And there is an exchange where now we are in right standing with God, but here in this moment, all of the sins, all of the junk, all of the stuff of everybody, the people He's saying, Father, forgive them for. The criminals who's hanging beside them. And not only the people in that day, but the people who've ever lived since and who ever lived before. God piled all of that junk on Jesus, that sin. And Jesus paid a debt that you and I could never pay because we've never been perfect. We've never been in a right relationship with God. And He becomes our substitute. He becomes the go-between. He becomes the person who can give us forgiveness. It is by Jesus and the debt that He pays for our failures. And that is the reason why He died. Not because He did anything wrong, but because you and I have failed. You and I have made poor choices, bad decisions, poor judgment. Everyone owes a debt that you can't repay. And could it be this morning that your biggest need, your biggest need is not a raise, it's not to get a boat or get a car or get a new house. Your biggest need is not even a new job or in a new relationship. Your biggest need is for you to be forgiven of the stuff that you've done. When you try the new house, the new car, the new relationship, the one thing that's always constant in every one of those is you. And we take all of our baggage and all of our stuff with us because we've not been forgiven. Listen to what the criminal says in Luke 23, 42. Then this criminal says this, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. And Jesus responds this way, I assure you. Everybody say the word assure. 
What does assure mean? Guaranteed. If you're in the South, sure enough. Jesus said this, I assure you today. Everybody say that, today. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today, I assure you, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus makes this incredible statement. He says, Buddy, where I'm going, you're going. This criminal has not had any time to go to church, get baptized, put money in an offering plate. I mean, do the whole religious stuff that we do to get better, to do anything. And that is the whole point. You don't get to heaven by trying harder or doing something different yourself. You get to heaven by being forgiven. And you get to be forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did. That is how forgiveness, how you receive forgiveness. And as we're going to look at next week, that's the secret of giving forgiveness. So our big idea is this. To be forgiven, you recognize who Jesus is and you realize who you are. Because that's what this criminal did. This criminal had not taken any seminary classes. He had not read the Bible through. He realized that he was a sinner. Straight up, no way excusing it, he was a failure. And he realized that Jesus was not. That Jesus was God. He was perfect. And he asked for forgiveness. Remember me. Remember me. At the end of his life, this criminal got a big red F on his life. Not written by a red belt tip pen, but by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that F stands for forgiveness. He was forgiven. The debt was canceled. It was paid. Not because of anything he did, but because of everything that Jesus had done. And this morning... The wonderful story of Easter is Jesus rose from the dead. God said, you know what? I accept the debt that you've paid for all of humanity. Not because you owe, but because you and I owe. And you can receive forgiveness today. You can receive forgiveness today from all of your stuff. I remember I told you the day I got an F freshman year, but today I got an F for forgiveness. I finally realized who God was and who God is. And I realized who I am. And all of the searching and everything that I've done to try to fill this hole that has always been there in my life that only God can fill. I realized I needed forgiveness. I realized I need a Savior. Do you realize that this morning? You may have you may have been in church a hundred times, but finally today it's clicked that you need to be forgiven. I would encourage you to take out your bulletins. Everybody should have gotten a bulletin this morning. And on your back of your communications card, there's a little checkbox that says, I am interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to check that box, put your name there, and put that in the offering plate as it's passed. But I don't want you leaving here 
without this fact becoming very real that God wants to forgive you. But you have to ask. You have to, you have to give Him all of that stuff. You have to place it on Him. And He's going to give you the right standing and that right relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that at the end of our lives, the red F of failure can be turned into a cross. And Lord, that we can receive forgiveness. That we can receive. That we can be forgiven. Not because we've tried harder or anything that we've done, but because of everything that you have done on that cross. Lord, I know there's some of some of us here, we need to say, Lord, we've messed up. That we have failed in too many areas of our lives. Lord, and we need you to forgive us. We need you to cancel that debt. So, Lord, I ask you to come into my life. Lord, take my heart. Take everything that's within me, Lord, and let me, Lord, give all of that to you. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. Thank you for being rose from the dead. I give it all to you, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your forgiveness. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.